Take two. Take two of tonight. Um, I've got two guests. Well, they're the same guests from last time, but that one wasn't released into the wild. I'm going to hold on to that and claim it as a lot of money auction years down the line. But tonight, uh, two guests with me. First of all, dressed in an Emperor T-shirt, new hair dye, little bit, little bit on the side of the head, is from Hold Tight PR. <laughs> it's Lisa Coverdale, um, my first guest. Hello, Lisa. Say hello. Hi, Joey. Are you well? Yep, I'm fabulous. Thank you. Good, good. And um, my second guest is a presenter on Primordial Rock Radio. Some of you will definitely know who he is. If you don't, you will know by the end of this show. His name is Ted, Ted Rocks. And he's just back from the Primordial General Meeting. So welcome, Ted. It's lovely to see you. Hey, Joey, really nice to be here with you too. Yeah. Oh, look at the sarcasm already. We love it. Um, how was the PGM, Ted? I heard um, you did a two-hour DJ set. Did I? <laughs> yeah, no, to... I did. It was really good. It was really difficult because their two headliners dropped out on the Friday and Saturday, and anyone who ever books a show knows how disastrous that is. And you've got a one in a million Hail Mary chance to salvage that. And they did it twice, which is astonishing. Yeah. Who, who pulled out and who stepped in? Good question, Joey. I'm glad you asked that. <laughs> um, those damn crows stepped out and Florence, Florence Black, Black stepped in on the Friday. And then a couple of days later, and this is all in the space of one week, a couple of days later, Dinosaur Pileup pulled out and Chris Barris band stepped in and um, both of those bands were a highlight of the weekend for many and also the band Bob Villain who are just in the uh, UK album chart top 10 yeah. as of today. So, you know, 20 bands, two stages, two days in Lincoln. One of those is the odd one out. Um, but three of those things were brilliant. Actually, can I just ask a question? Why why Lincoln? Do you know why they put it in Lincoln? Yes, I asked this question. And apparently the uh, Primordial Radio team are real students of geography. Oh, okay, um, right. Geographically speaking, Lincoln is in the middle of England and thus the middle of the UK. And <clears> without <throat> really thinking about logistics, but focusing on geography, Lincoln was chosen, which is inspired. Is <laughs> geography is the question. Yeah. <laughs> well, I actually was on a stag this weekend while the PGM was on, and oh. and it was in Lincoln. And I asked the same question because wait, my fucking mate... wait, your stag was in Lincoln. So yeah. So <laughs> let me tell you, right? So my mate lives in Edinburgh. The rest of them live in uh, like Dorset, and obviously I'm living in Dublin. So I said, "Why Lincoln?" He said, "It's neutral for everyone because it's geography. in the middle." So it's going geography. back to geography, Lee. So yeah. Exactly back to geography. So it's it's central. So we flew into Birmingham and we rented a car, and what the place we were staying at was a place called Horn Castle. It's about an yeah, Ted, you know. Well, Ho I in, in Tetford. 
called the Woodcock. Oh, Lisa, anything else you want to add? Any more puns on that? No, no I have nothing. Nothing. But any, anyway, linking and naming things. Oh, like it's a, a typical Eng, typical English city, isn't it? But I, I was when we were driving, we so we drove through Lincoln, and I was like, oh, the PGM's on this weekend. And then when we were in the car, I just happened to check on the map, on Google Maps, to where we were and where PGM was, and I realised that we drove past literally the turning oh. to PGM on the Friday. And about an hour later, I looked at the map. Otherwise, I'd have popped in for a bit. You could have went and got Ted Cuddles. I was there. I think Ted could have got Joey Cuddles is the, the one. I know you were there. So yeah, I could have been I could have been there. I could have seen you. Um that would have been but, very nice. I could have showed you how I could make a bottle disappear. Yeah. I I can imagine how. Hmm. We can go to the next one, Joey. We'll go to the next we'll, one. We'll go to the next one, yeah, for sure. Um well, I think the next one won't be in Lincoln. Oh, we've got br- exclusive breaking news from Ted. Where's it gonna be? Birmingham. I don't fucking know. Just don't think it'll be in Lincoln. <laughs> so, moving on to um, Ted's had his say. Oh, he'll, don't. He'll, he'll definitely have his say again in about 10 <clears throat> seconds, I'd say. Um, let's, let's, Lisa Coverdale. So, Lisa, um, Lisa runs Whole Tight PR uh, along with um, James Monteith from Tesseract, Van Tesseract, who. Um, Venny, who does the podcast with me, they're one of his favourite bands. So um, we were grateful to uh, get to speak to Amos on the podcast one, one time. So Lisa, you run this company, Whole Type PR, and you are a PR person. What do you... <laughs> Lisa, tell us a little bit about Whole Type PR, one, what you do, B... And three, name of some of the bands you're working with. <laughs> All right. Okay. Um, uh, do I have to? Yeah, go on. What, what's whole, what does whole, whole Tight PR do? All right. So uh, we're a PR marketing digital media company now. We've expanded from just doing the PR, uh, looking after album campaigns, tours, uh, we do PR for singles and videos. We do festivals. We've looked after authors. Uh, we're branching out into being a sort of talent agency. Um, yeah, uh, still within the realms of PR, but not for bands, just looking after individuals and stuff. So the likes of Ted? Well, if we could negotiate a fee. Yeah. I, I, I'd say you couldn't afford him. Probably. I'd say you wouldn't want to promote him. I, Why that's am I prob- speaking about myself in the third person? <laughs> and therein lies the problem. Ted's Ted's very um, hard to control. Yeah, as as <laughs> as you listeners will understand in the next hour or so. Very difficult person to manage and work with. So sorry, Lisa, you were um, saying. Yeah, so he's brought out talent as well. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So. We, I, I, we just do a lot of PR and marketing, um, working at the moment, a ton of album campaigns. We've got, we've grown from just working, James and I, in our little houses to now having a big office down in London. We've Swanky. got, 
Yeah, well, it's grown and every couple of years, then we move up and we move up. So we're now in the design district down in London. Lovely big office, it's really nice. Um, and we've got about eight or nine staff. We just keep on growing, uh, spread across. So I'm in Scotland, the rest of the team are down in London. We've got people in Germany, we've got someone in America. Uh, and every year we just keep adding a little bit here, a little bit there. Uh, we actually grew through the pandemic. We were one of the only companies, I think, of our size that are doing what we do that, that added staff and didn't furlough anyone. Uh, we worked really well, Credit hard. to you for that. It, it was hard, um, especially as James and I both have kids and we're homeschooling. I mean, he's got three kids. He's got two sort of teenage boys and a little a little one who's about three and my kids are under eight um, and we homeschooled and we ran a business and we grew and we just kept pushing we're hustlers um, so so tell tell um tell us some of the bands you've worked with that that okay let's say give me two of the highlights you've worked with in your career uh the lovely Emperor and Ishan will always be like that was like a Christmas present getting that um those campaigns. Uh and, and, and to be honest, Lisa, like you see like you seem to be sort of understanding that because Emperor, especially in the black metal world, are the, the innovators yeah. of like black metal. These guys started out when they're teenagers, 17 years old, yeah. wrote in the nightside eclipse when they're 17 which is considered one of the best black metal albums of all time. Yeah. And you are representing Ishan and Emperor. Like, yeah. that's fucking incredible. Um, I love it. I absolutely love the whole black metal scene. Uh, and to get that was the absolute pinnacle. So, um, but I love, I've got other uh, bands like Winter Filleth. I've loved them for years. Uh, worked their last album, hopefully working the next one. Just, I'm really lucky. Please, Ted. Two things. Lisa, you're not lucky because there's no such thing as luck. It's when preparation meets opportunity. You're a very prepared person who recognizes opportunity. That's luck. But my point was, you're definitely underselling yourself when it comes to bands, right? Let's fucking, let's just fucking stop fucking about here, right? Creeping Death, Crowbar, right? Fucking Billy Talent, just rhyming some off here, right? Just fucking having a look. Boss Keloid, really like their album. Black Label Society, oh. Crown Lens, D. Snyder, fuck, I didn't even know that. Um, Emperor, as Joey said, you got Enterprise Earth, like them a lot. Uh, Hammerfall, come on to fuck. Yeah. Holding Absence. Yeah. Come on. Got a wee band called Sleep Token as well. You got Mall. Yeah. Party Cannon. Powerwolf. <laughs> yeah. Tetrarch. Really like Tetrarch. Detroit, Orbit. right? I think. Orbit Culture as well. Oh, fuck. Finish, right? Fucking amazing. Like, come on to fuck. Like, are you or are you not the preeminent metal powerhouse of pr we, we're just we just do what we do we I, and 
So that's a yes. Okay, great. Well, I thought so. I hate I hate to just come out and be like, I've got all these bands and we're fantastic and and this is what we do and showbiz, showbiz. It's just a job and we just get up in the morning and we slog and then we go to sleep. Um and but we we are quite aggressive in how we go after what we want and we tend to always get what we want. Um no, we do. Um and the, the labels that we earmarked years ago, we all have, and there's more coming in. Um, and we won't stop until, I won't stop until I've got Between the Buried and Me, and then I'm going to retire, because they're my favourite hmm. band. That would be some coup, that. That would be yeah. some coup. Look at the labels done, rep, done, you represent as well. You know, We've wow. done some tour press and stuff for Between the Buried and Me, but... Um, yeah, I would love them. But we've got, I mean, we've got some of the hottest artists. Uh, the, the big bands are great and that's all lovely. But where the the really exciting stuff is all the underground, where you can take a band, help them to grow and then fire them out into the sun. So you've got your conjurer um, who are just moving up the, the ladder headed on a nuclear blast. Uh, we've got Harriet who are getting so much press at the moment. Um, and they're just, um, they're, I think it's their EP is out. It's out Friday, isn't it? Yeah, and, and the press for that is unbelievable. And they're just a tiny band, um, but they're doing really, really well. And, and they're getting a lot of attention for the size that they are. Uh, we've got bands like Ithaca as well, who everybody's raving about. And then you've got your Tetrachs and your um, Orbit Cultures that are just, you know, they're going to be the next generation of, of bands that, get up the, the sort of festival ladder sort of thing so we might come on to that actually because so so just to interject sorry so basically what this is this this um the three of us sitting together is a sort of an industry insider but also a round table chat last time i had questions for the two of them and it was sort of structured but at least was battered it went I off topic ted so ted was just talking non-stop for about two and a half hours so what we decided to do is sort of bring this into a round table and there's not going to be any sort of agenda it's just going to be a round table chat but lisa i think what you brought up there is something that um is something that goes is always talked about at festivals each year and that is who is going to step up and headline stages when the likes of Metallica, Maiden, Slipknot, Rammstein, Guns N' Roses etc etc go and so I'll put it to the floor then who, who, who do you think let's just say tomorrow right all those bands are gone in your opinion between the two of you who do you think is next likely to step up and headline the likes of Download Hellfest, Wacken, um, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. I have a slightly controversial view on this, so I'd love to hear from Lisa first. Well, <laughs> <laughs> I was just going to say, I mean, they're not at that size yet, but I absolutely know that they've got the balls big enough to absolutely take it, and that's Conjurer. Um, every time, every time that that band takes to a stage, every time, uh, the reaction from people that haven't seen them before is insane and you can see every time moving up a step moving up a step and they're so business savvy that they know how to sort of play the game work the industry but the tunes they write are fantastic um and they've just got massive big balls 
they just uh, honestly believe that Conjurer could be the one to do it. Do you think Conjurer could headline Download Lisa? Do you, not, I, I'm, talk, I'm talking main today. stage. Yeah, no, yeah, yeah, yeah. What, today? No, I'm not talking about today. I mean, for future, of course. Yeah, yeah, I'm going to put my money on Conjurer. Wow. I'm not confident in them. Absolutely. That, I've got, uh, other bands, got other bands that I'm confident in for other reasons. But if you want a, a band that could be a Metallica or something, put my money on Conjurer. Wow. I've had this conversation so many times with so many people and never have Conjurer come up. Yeah. Not, not once. Like, I, I could 100% see him headlining like the third stage in download or uh, in like a few years' time, but I never would have thought. Watch but... where they go. Watch where they go in the next couple of years. Watch what this yeah. album does for them. Fair play. Yeah. Ted Wardo? Ted's fallen asleep. I think, you know, I think festival wise, certainly the big ones, your downloads, your bloodstocks, your Reading Leeds, let's say in the UK, and some of the great European metal festivals, American. I just think that in 2022, you know, is a festival bill with headliners a bit naff, right? Because we're all going to die. So these bands are going to die as well, right? And the over-reliance of someone like Download on Kiss, Iron Maiden, fuck me, right? Like, I get it sells tickets, but, you know, what is it doing musically apart from the same old? So, you know, bands climbing up a bill to headline I think is a question and an answer that is rooted in conventional wisdom. Conventional wisdom being what you know up until you learn differently. And a festival bill has never changed. It's always been the same way it is, right? Why? Because it's just fucking no one's ever, you know, maybe thought about it. Sonosphere did something interesting with the two stages and you move between stage to stage, right? And and there's there was a better balance to to the bands you don't really miss anyone but but it was it was a difficult thing to execute i just sorry ted, ted are you on about are you on about having the first stage and second stage side by side so there's no clashes between the two yeah that, that's just a small point the clashes but i do think yeah. that you know you look at a festival bill and the smaller bands you know are in small print and then it gets a little bit bigger and then eventually maybe they get a logo and then maybe they get a really big logo and really actually that is conditioning you from a marketing perspective as to what the selling point is right and the selling point is kiss or the selling point is maiden or the selling point is whoever the fuck right i actually don't think that's good for music i think music should be the selling point no and and i 100 agree with ted but you you said two things in there and the first one is the selling point and the second thing is money and Mm -hmm. the light and that is exactly what it is like and you can go down to lower i say the lower festivals the smaller festivals like the art tangents um etc etc but they've still got the likes of i think this year they've got opeth cult of luna etc etc but that's the whole point but when you talk about download let's say saturday iron maiden day tickets 
day tickets. That's where they're going to make their money back. Mm-hmm. And I 100% agree with you. But unfortunately, so just so go back to your point, then, you, you said something about breaking the mold or something, like someone trying to break this. So tell me what you're talking about or your yeah. thoughts so, on it. So when you look at anything, right, in any market, in any business, if everyone's doing the same thing, the opportunity is to do something different. And that's really my point. And metal is very different, right? Very different to to a lot of it. And actually, you know, with the exception of proper metal festivals, most commercial festivals would fucking be dubious of taking a punt on metal bands, right? So fuck them. And let's think about, you know, what do you, what is a metal festival? And if your answer is the same kind of setup and outline and build structure that every other festival does, that's the wrong answer. Now, I know you're going to say, well, what is the answer? I don't fucking have all the answers, Joey. I'm just asking the question, right? I'm just saying, you know, is there a different way to, to do it? Of course there is, right? And that's what I mean about convention. It's like until you do or learn something different. And the thing I think about festivals is there an experience, right? That's really important, right? Yeah, it's about the music, but it all is also an experience. So if you put the music on in an experiential format, you will have something very different. And I think that's something to look at. I'm not talking about experience like fucking Coachella, where like nowadays it's a marketing tool for fucking shithead influencers to fucking do fast fashion shoots mm-hmm. while there's music on in the background. What a fucking load of bollocks, right? That's not what I'm talking about. That's the extreme wrong way of doing something unconventional with a festival. In fact, Coachella's just fucking eating itself alive, right? <laughs> Don't do that. But I look at festivals and I think, yeah, but it's not, what's different? What's what's the selling point? Apart from the band, I get that, right? But come right back to the point if the market's fucking flattened itself so much that really the ladder for bands to climb to get to maiden to get to kiss and that that ladder doesn't really exist anymore right let's be fucking really honest because that's not the business model of the of the music industry right that's not fuck that's not how it works so if that's not how it works and that's not that model for how bands scale why do bands scale a festival poster like the same way the the music industry used to work and that's my point that's why I think it's a bit naff because I don't think it works like that anymore. So why don't you have a festival that's more representative of the modern music industry? Sorry, that's my point, Sean. I love what Primordial do. I love the community aspect. I think that in this yeah. day going forward, bringing it back to a sort of smaller festival, community orientated, family orientated, people are getting closer to the acts. Look at the, the response that Bob Villain got. Mm-hmm. Um, the kids were on stage with him. He was out for an hour just standing and hanging with everybody after. It's a different experience than standing in a crowd of, you know, thousands and thousands watching Iron Maiden do their geriatric thing on stage. You know, it's like, I'm sorry, don't, Joey. Don't you take a swipe at Bruce and the boys. I, I like Maiden, I do. But when you've seen them <laughs> once or twice, really, come on, it's like, really? There's a whole swathe of bands out there that would kill for that opportunity. And and, and, and I 100% agree, Lisa. I'm not knocking that at all. I love Maiden to bits, and I'm not knocking other bands having the opportunity. And your point on PGM uh, is a very good point as well. 
That being said, and we're talking now, we're talking about like metal and rock, okay? Because download is in that now. Download is more of a rock festival than a metal festival. Let's be honest. Uh, PGM, I would say, was more of a rock than metal from this year's lineup. I mean, I'm open. If you think I'm wrong, please tell me I'm wrong. But um, like to, to, to try and get people and, and the community is one thing in the PGM. I, I 100% agree. But their bands there, I would not go and normally see. Whereas I would go to download and I would see, you know, I mean, one year I saw Behemoth, Satyricon, Ramstein, Slayer, blah, 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 blah. And it's very hard to get that balance, I think is what I'm trying to say, between what Ted you're saying and Lisa what you're saying. So do you buy a ticket for a festival purely based on the band lineup? Or do you think there are festivals to transcend the lineup to offer a or an experience and is the experience the selling point or is the headline band the selling point very good question so firstly i go to download every year because um basically all of our mates who we went to school with we meet that's where we meet up every year everyone's got families lives in different areas of the country we all like metal so we just all meet and download. It's in Birmingham, it's central in the country. So we meet there. And regardless of the lineup, like this year's down, download lineup, I would not go to if it weren't for me, me and my mates, 100%. However, uh, I'm doing Arc Tangent and I'm doing tons of rock in Oslo. Now, those two um, festivals, I purely go in because of the lineup. And just so happens that some of my mates are going as well. So is your belief it's not broken so we don't need to fix it or there is something inherently wrong here's my gotcha <laughs> with metal music being exposed particularly in an environment like a festival where you get a cross-section of people and the opportunity to sample different metal bands yeah it's a very very good question um i do think in terms of festival organisers, the it ain't broke, don't fix it is definitely where they're at. That's that's a hundred percent. I also and the money, yep. I also agree. I also like the fact at festivals that you can buy a ticket for say 150 quid, 200 euros. And I'm gonna take Hellfest as an example now. You could buy a ticket for Hellfest for 200 euros, and over three days, I think it's three days when I did it, it was three days. I could see on one stage you'd have death metal, on the other stage you'd have pure black metal, on the other stage you'd have fucking body count playing, and then going back to the first and second stage alternating, you'd never miss a band. And, and I use the inverted commas big bands. That, for me, is a festival. So I really agree with that because what's in my head of what I would like to see and experience in the UK, Hellfest is the closest I've ever seen to it but it doesn't exist in the uk download the big dog bloodstock has grown very nicely but yeah where does bloodstock go next right because the business at the end of the day obviously um and there's plenty of good metal festivals but how do you rate i suppose i'm being it sounds very critical and it's not of download because they've done great things for the music industry 
it's the business model is really what I'm critical of, right? How do you how do you create opportunity for particularly metal bands in the festival scene in the UK to get awareness and recognition that the traditional media business, never mind the music business, won't give them? And I ask a question like that because it does come back to, you know, Lisa and her roster. And you look at all those amazing bands and you think how challenging that must be to get the exposure. And then we talked about festivals and it's like festivals, the ideal place to get the exposure, but which festivals are really giving a broad cross section of metal bands exposure like that? Well, I mean, sorry, Lisa, you can jump in a second, but the likes of the Wackens or the European festivals. All the European festivals. Yeah. hundred percent. And and I do agree with Bloodstock that they, they could, they're the closest thing to the likes of Hellfest in or Wacken, whatever, in the UK. And they are growing very big. I think Lisa, um, I think Condra played there. I think they went from like the, uh, what do they call it? Bloodstock to the masses challenge or something. Yeah, they, they came through the metal to the masses. That's it. That's yeah, the, which that's which the is a great problem. initiative, right? Really good initiative. Our Bloodstock then. Bloodstock will fly the flag for the UK metal scene. Let's yeah. be fair. So, but they, they run a standardized top-down bill they run a standardized <clears throat> festival although to be fair and it's been a long time since i've been at bloodstock there is a community element but then again you could say there's a community element to, to download so my closing point on this is obviously i'm making an argument that i think or believe festivals are all very samey and they there probably should be something different and in the metal arena, that's a quite an interesting place to do it. So I suppose the question is, and then I'll fucking shut the fuck up. Nice. Of what happens in the UK, and Bloodstock's a great festival and great for metal. Do you think there's any trick it's missing or our festivals are missing compared to European festivals in particular? Lisa? I think maybe looking at the, the European ones, the one that I find most interesting that's just happened this weekend or the last week has been Roadburn. Uh, yeah. The types of bands that it puts on, the venues that it plays, the the stuff that goes on around it from like the, the artwork that they have in the galleries, the side talks, there's, there's a whole load of business talks and industry talks that go along with that. It, it's for a very certain market, but you- It's can, a very niche crowd, yeah, isn't it? You could take that model and you could work it in the UK for a sort of different genres, but Roadburn to me is one of the most interesting festivals out mm. there. Um, one of my favourite festivals in the UK, and it's it's not massive, is Damnation, purely oh, because I, yeah, purely because it's run for me for the right reasons. It's run by a bunch of guys and girls from up here in Scotland. Um, and they did the geographic thing and had it in the middle of the country. So it was in Leeds, I think, and now it's moved back to Manchester. Yeah. Uh, and they run it not not for profit, but they they wanted a they wanted a big party. They wanted their own sort of big weekend out. So they put on a festival, and they've been doing that for well, what well over a decade now. So uh, Dam damnation. Sorry, Ted. Just quick. Damnation is actually probably the best example you have when we're comparing it to the likes of the Hellfest, I think, in terms of that, you not unique, but the genre 
is very much tight knit, like we're compared to download, which would be made and kiss Biffy Clyro, damnation. You've got pig destroyer ministry. Um, you know, that's all they'll, but then they'll so, also go for a lot of sort of post metal stuff as well. So, and uh, um, I remember, I think I saw Alcest there one year. Um, so there's a there is a mix, but still within that extreme uh genre. I saw Dillinger Escape Plan there as well, just yeah, lovely and and run by people that have day jobs. Uh, yeah. lovely, lovely people that do it just because they want to have a fun weekend and. And they put their heart and soul into it. Got a lot of time yeah. for Damnation. Dam Damnation is a really good example of grassroots metal festival. Mm. I think what I, for the kind of question and point I had, that Roadburn Festival, which is in the Netherlands, yeah, and it does music industry talks, and it's a bit of a a metal TED talk kind of crossover. That I asked, that's probably what's in my mind's eye. Could be something very interesting that where the festival transcends if just any, bands on a stage it's an experience of the music business as well maybe if any festival could do that i think bloodstock would probably lend itself well to doing that whole model i think they could branch yeah. out into that i don't but, think i don't can, think can, can i just quickly ask a, a side question on bloodstock at this time so obviously, Vicky Hungerford had some comments um, in in the in Twitter um, yeah. that didn't go down too well. Do you think Bloodstock is going to see a decrease in patrons this year because of that, or do you think that it's about the music and they will sidestep what was said? And I don't want to dwell on this. This is just literally a little tangent I'm going on. I, I think that intertwined with music is media is PR and communications and time, right? They're all factors. And I think with that very unfortunate situation that um, one of the promoters of Bloodstock found themselves in of their own making, I think at first they doubled down and then a point came where they realized they were in crisis management mode and they crisis managed their way I wouldn't say out of it, but around it. Yeah. Uh, and that's a story and a lesson that's been a story told many a time and a lesson learned by many. But you got to understand that it's not just the music business, it's the media business, the PR business, and all those things. And if you line them all up right, you can get around most things. Um, look at our prime minister. We've, we've gone there. I can't <laughs> believe we've gone into politics. I'm sidestepping it, but I was just pointing it out, is that you can manage most situations. Bloodstock will sell tickets regardless. Correct. Um, yeah. Yeah, like I said, it was just, a, a, we mentioned Bloodstock and uh, that. Um... But it's like, I, and that the other factor in all of those mechanisms is time. You give everything enough time. You know, you can... That you know, that's why stall tactics are prevalent in so much stuff. Make time, and then change the narrative, move on to the next story, or make up the next story, and change the narrative. Lisa will know all this shit from P. I'm just sitting here biting the lips, trying not to say too much. <laughs> so anyway, um, 
That's the end. I just wanted to get your views to see if you think they would uh, it would have an impact. So coming I, back to uh, go on and I, I think I think in this discussion, because what it is, I had maybe some extreme views, and both of your counselors brought me to the fact that I'm going, yeah, fucking bloodstock's pretty good for metal. And I think going back, festival. going back to the point whether it'll sell tickets or not, the bloodstock thing, I think we have to be too careful not to live in the social media bubble and what's been said in the social media bubble because there's a whole load of ticket buying public out there that aren't online and won't probably even know who Vicky is. They go to see the bands. It's a very good point. Can I ask a question about while we're on festivals? And we're probably going to be on festivals for the whole fucking show, right? Yeah. And with the pandemic, virtual festivals. I don't know if anyone experienced any of them. But I know in America, when they do a festival deals, they generally do the streaming rights nowadays as well. Although we don't seem to fucking do that still in the UK, which really fucking annoys me. If I'm not going to Bloodstock, would I pay 50 quid to watch it over the weekend? Fucking right, I would. What's, what do we think about that? This is, I've asked this, and I can't remember who I had this conversation with before. Now, during lockdown, uh, I think Enslaved were the first band to do it. Now, obviously, lockdown's a completely different kettle of fish because our hands are tied. We couldn't go out. I was more than happy to sit down and watch Watain um, last night, live stream, which Lisa pointed me on to. Streaming live music, I think, has its... It's six to one, half dozen ever. On the one hand, let's just take me living in Dublin, for example, right? Let's take a band like, I'm just going to say Napalm Death, just throw it out there. But Napalm Death are touring the UK. This is all hypothetical now. Napalm Death are touring the UK. They're not going to tour Ireland, right? I'm a big fan of Napalm Death. I won't be able to fly over to the UK. So they then say, all right, we're going to stream it. Joey sat in where I am now, can sit and watch Nate on Death from the comfort of my own home for an hour and a half and it cost me 20 quid. I've no travel, et cetera, et cetera. On the one hand, that is perfect. My concern is, will it stop people from the UK going to see their bands live because it's more convenient just to stay at home? And that's where I think there's a very fine balance between the streaming live gigs and attending live gigs. And that is my thoughts. So I get that on paper. In practice, it's unproven, right? So football is bigger on the television than it is in the stadium. Now, I know that's a fucking wild stretch of a different situation. However, let me turn that around on you, Joey. Let me turn it around on you. Bring it, baby. What if a band actually got more people to watch their show? Then go to the show by having a sophisticated uh, capability to make it readily available. Would I, because I see less bands than I used to, and I see a lot of bands. Would I be ba- Would it? Would I be more likely to watch more bands if they're more readily available? To be honest, fucking yeah, they would. I would. I would. I, and some of it's I through do. geography, because sometimes they don't even fucking come to Scotland. Well, exactly. Like I live in a place where it's really hard to get out public transport wise to, to anywhere. I'm in, the, and I'm in the arse end of nowhere. Um, and also because I'm a mum and I've got no childcare, um, I, 
I'm stuck in this fucking house. <laughs> so over, <laughs> over lockdown, I watched loads of these lives. James Tesseract had a brilliant one. Emperor yeah. did one. Leprous had one. I mean, there was loads and loads. Um, but the, that's, and those are the big ones that you're paying for. Twitch has some of the pubs now have cameras in so that when there's bands playing in some of the pubs or the clubs you can actually sit on twitch and watch these venues and it's not massively sophisticated but it's brilliant there's a great there's a great one that i watched it's a little jazz club it's awesome it's really good so i'm actually getting a chance to see music that i wouldn't get watching bands in a little jazz club in manchester that's fair and that's a very good comment and ted coming back to your comment as well about it's unproven absolutely but Let's just say this does start to kick off. Do bands charge the same amount for people watching the stream as people attending the show itself? Because let's say, for example, 20 quid a ticket going to the venue versus 10 quid on Switch, uh, Twitch or whatever, however okay, they stream brother. it, <laughs> whatever, they, um, whatever they stream it, you might have more people watching, but it might net itself out at the same as if there was a full venue. So. It is one of those questions where it is unproven. I 100% agree with that. I just so let me let me let me take you to a fucking future, right? Where pandemic hits again, and the, you know, because already has. Um, it is not financially viable for for bands to do, you know, twelve city dates. It's only really works for six where the populace is, so they cut out a chunk of it, right? And actually what you end up with is a vicious circle, right? Not a virtuous circle, a vicious circle of diminishing returns because the money in which the model you're operating becomes more limiting. So you limit yourself and you actually don't progress. What you need is a virtuous circle where you get growth. Would you say bands, when it comes to gigging, of the middle size and certainly the smaller size, are getting growth? Doesn't fucking look like it from where I'm sitting. And what I know post pandemic in terms of upfront ticket sales is very poor, mm -hmm. right? So those market conditions where people are buying later, being more selective, not as much money in the promoters banks to book or give confidence for 10 cities, sticking with six proven cities. And thus the virtuous circle is underway of restricting capabilities. And, you know, for, for, the, for the business model currently a gigging, yeah, you know what, the deals they have with venues and the deals they have with labels or whatever mean, oh, we can't really fucking stream it for whatever reason, right? Because, oh, we'll scare people away from the venue where our fucking record label won't let us do that. That's a fucking problem, right? That's definitely a problem because when you, when you look at... Shit. What what's that? happening well you're still on i am still here i don't know what's happened i think i might have just had a that can't be a power cut it'll be a fuse trip the oh, how do you make progress <laughs> kind of like my question about festivals how does a festival make progress right and we went around that discussion we kind of went well, actually they're pretty fucking good they could add a few bits right it's not obvious now we're on this discussion about touring bands. I think actually that's a more obvious problem, right? And, you know, 
sometimes you got to look into other industries to see what's going on. The porn industry is a great one to look at. Porn. Um, to look at future trend. And the gambling industry is a really good one to look at future trend. Why? Because they have so much money to do research and development to engage people, right? Because that's their business is to engage people. And you're probably aware of the um, virtual concert model where they put a 360 degree camera there and then you can dial into it and you look around. And then the next thing is going to be um, hologram. They're already doing it on stage, but hologram in your living room concerts and all that shit, right? So if you know there's a trend there, and if you know there's emergence of capability to do that, while it won't happen overnight, isn't that a market you should get into for your future? Yeah, it's definitely something that I think a lot of bands look at. And I spoke uh, when um, Lisa James from Tesseract did a Twitch on Ask Me Anything. And I asked him about the future of bands and streaming. And I said, do you think this is going to be a thing in the future where bands will play live and stream at the same time? And he said, correct me wrong, Lisa, I think he said that that's something Tesseract have talked about because they all t- stream anyway. Yeah. Um, so I think that's something they're looking into. My let's not look at it from a um, fans point of view. If we flip it around to a band's point of view now from streaming, right? I would you think that I mean there's obviously gonna be a massive loss of connection with the fans, and that's we talked about connection at the start, and you talked about atmospheric festivals. Uh Lisa, you talked about connection, the having that connection, like. Bands feed off energy. Iron Maiden is a perfect example of that. Like you see Maiden on stage, people screaming out and Bruce laps it up. If it gets to that point where there's no fans and and we saw it during some of the streams, like Enslaved, Behemoth did it and a song just finished. They come to the end of a song and it was just silence. And there's that disconnection with it. So there's that to think about as well, long-term. Yeah, yeah, like, right. So our maiden, as an example, because Lisa's been picking on them all night. Yeah. Our maiden, the exception to the rule, because they're born of a time that was yesteryear, not this year, not now, right? 80,000 people rock and reel, right? Are Tesseract going to do 80,000 people rock and reel? You'd fucking love them to, right? But is that realistic over the next decade? Probably fucking not for the vast majority of bands, right? Mm-hmm. So that model of 80,000 people there. Are they going to get people at their concerts? Of course they're going to get fucking people at their concerts, right? But could they access more people like Lisa stuck in Farmville or Joey stuck in Dublin where no fucker wants to go to or whatever, right? Could they get 10,000 in the arena and 10,000 watching live that night? I'm fucking frankly, of course they fucking could. Yeah. Why not do it? Uh, So it it is inevitable that's going to happen. I think um, uh, Trivium do it, don't they? Yeah. But but I think they just do it on their Twitch, and you don't have to pay for it, do you? I think that's the way they work. But I think it isn't. It is inevitable that some bands will now start to. And Tesseract's a great example, Lisa, because they did uh, portals 
And that's when I actually spoke to Amos, the bassist, about it. And it was absolutely it was stunning. stunning. Like the production of it all, the what yeah. the, the story, the way it weaved in and out was like one of the best I saw yeah. in that um, st- uh, lockdown streaming, whatever. Yeah. But I mean, they remind me, that band really remind me of Pink Floyd in the way that they merge their um, creative aesthetic with the music. And, and Portals was a, an amazing uh, example of that. And at the same time, do you remember? So it was all based, the idea was all based on these monoliths. But at the same time around the world, there were monoliths popping up in strange places. Do you remember that mm. at all? No. And so in all these weird countries around the world, there was these giant uh, stone monoliths. There was like metal ones just appearing like in the middle of the desert. And I jokingly said to them, you've got a huge marketing budget for this. This is ridiculous. And it was nothing to do with them at all, apparently. Um, But it was around the same time. It was just fascinating. Uh, One of the best I've seen, though. Hands down. Hands down. And, and I can't James, remember what... James's son was in that. The, the little boy that's in the film in that is James's little boy. Oh, no way. Yeah. Oh, there we go. I look like Good. I'm in the Blair Witch Project here. Yeah, it does seem... Um, obviously, people can't see you, but you do look like a ghost. I've lost power at, at the back. I've got mm-hmm. water everywhere as well. And you're doing your makeup for pretty much the whole time we've been talking, so now it's just like you're, you're like white. Ghost. Life in the country. <laughs> a usual midweek jaunt for you, is it? Just, it is very, it happens all the time. Um, I can't remember what we talking, I was talking about Tesseract for some reason, but I can't remember what my point was. Anyway, we move on. Let's come back to the, we've, we've got about five minutes left because we have said that we're hopefully going to do this monthly. It's going to be yep. a therapy session and we're going to keep it under an hour. Ted's got no so, idea, but he will. He will. He now, will. I'm, now I'm now I'm booking him out. He will come to this. Exactly. Now he's, got he's on. He's got lots to say, and he's a really interesting person. Now he's on your talent agency. He is. Yeah. <laughs> he's. Uh, <laughs> um, but anyway, yeah. Sorry, we're going to keep it under an hour because the last one was too long. Two hours. Two hours. Too much, Joey. Couldn't it was me. A word in Can't hell. keep me. Yeah. Um, it was beautiful. It, the, <laughs> the reason this started and the, the, the conversation about festivals was who's next in line to headline the big festivals. And we went on a massive tangent. So we're going to finish with who do we think are... I'm going to give you three bands to pick, right? You get three choices. Who you think will be headlining the festival circuit in the next five to ten years. You're asking someone here that never, ever goes to festivals. I will say, I'll go first then, okay? Ghost, 100% will be headlining. They've just been confirmed to headline Hellfest. It was a matter of time before someone had the balls to step up and put them as a headliner, and I think you'll see loads of festivals falling out. So Ghost, second one, Parkway Drive, 100%. If they're still around, that is. Um, They've just come out and said they're cancelling their North American tour. Parkway Drive are definitely on that route. The other one, I think, who are on the cusp or potentially were but could come back is Bring Me the Horizon. As much as it pains me to say it, 
they were, I think before they went to, was it, Sep, not Sepaternal, when they went all soft, I can't remember the name of the album. I think they were on the verge. So that's my three, I think. And there's no right or wrong answer here, by the way, guys. It's just, what's your thoughts? So, Ghost, definitely. Yeah. Bring Me the Horizon, definitely. Because they'll both sell tickets to specific demographics. Promoter be fucking into. So, definitely those two. I'll go drive headline bloodstock, bearing in mind as well already. And I'm trying to think of someone less obvious, because like, Parkway Drives, your, you know, Gojira's, any band has dropped a really good album lately, but what about someone who's still mid-table, if you will, the expression for the band line, mm. still mid-table, but you have this funny feeling they could, they could go all the way. Mastodon? Are they on the ascendancy, though, or descendancy? I, I kind of feel like, I kind of feel, yeah, uh, yeah, no, I Holy, I, just no one can see what you're doing with your hands. Say well, it. I know, but I also like, I, I know all the PRs and stuff. It's so hard for me to talk about this stuff. I, I think they're on the way down. I will say that I think Macedon aren't right for headlining because they mm. just can't get their sound right. Every festival I've seen in that, their sound has been dreadful and... I don't know whether that's just them being rushed, being so low down the bill. But I'm just thinking, would Mastodon be able to pull in a crowd for main stage at the likes of Wacken? Probably not. I'm just throwing out throwing it out there. I think in 10 years, we'll all be in the metaverse anyway, so it won't matter. That's yeah, true. and we should be streaming gigs, right? For fuck's sake. <laughs> <laughs> I think... Would you agree with Ghost or Bring Me the Horizon, Lisa? I would go with Ghost if I had to pick out of those two. I, I, um, I think you're fucking getting even odds on fucking Ghost headline oh, download within the next three years. 100%. 100%. And that's what I was saying. It only took one festival the likes of Hellfest to have the balls to put them as a headliner. Yeah. And I think now you're just going to see everyone else is going to follow. Uh, did they... Did they headline Bloodstock one year, Ghost? Or have I, I made that up? I think so. I think you're on drugs. I think that's probably it, yeah. Um, drugs. Um, anyone else you can think Electric of? Electric Hallboy, if they keep banging out those belters. That's a good one. Good God. We didn't even touch on Electric Hallboy tonight, did we? Only if they keep putting out the songs. And I don't, I don't know if they can keep up that level. I don't, honestly, I don't know if they can keep up the level of banger. Sorry, Joey, I know you hate that word. I, I mean, banger, 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 N not banger, and not banger in a good way, like banger. Um, I. It's a really interesting question, actually, Ted. Would electric call? I could definitely see him headlining like the second stage of some festivals. Would they be able to command? It's a very interesting question. But like that band, we spoke about it briefly, and we're going to finish up soon. But that band are contagious, and by that I mean I have mates who listen to fucking Japanese rock. Who I said, look, just listen to this song, and they've gone through the whole back catalogue. They absolutely love them. Fair play to them. Um, Shall we leave it there for tonight? Unless Ted, do you want to throw anything else into the mix? Because um, 
We're, we're at the hour mark. Banger. Banger. Just, just banger. Lisa's walked off. She's had enough. <laughs> Lisa's, Lisa's trying to still work That out was a, a very spots. professional conversation, Joey. And frankly, I can't believe some of the things Lisa said about her colleagues in the music industry, about the bands who she's personal friends with. I, mm. I, I think uh, that's pretty outrageous, but brave. And you got to salute bravery. You know, even if you get shot, you got to salute it. You know, I, mean, I, I know all your secrets. I never say anything. I don't talk I, about people. And frankly, I think, Joey, you're frankly wild and <laughs> lucid thoughts on festivals and bands. Mm. It's troubling. I, I think you should see a doctor. But, but this is what it's about. These are therapy sessions. So I'm going to do, do it once a month. We're going to come back next month and have another roundtable discussion on whatever the hell we want to talk about. So we'll leave it there. And we haven't come up with a name for the show yet. We'll do it after. We'll get in the WhatsApp group and come up with a name for the show. Ted's still not convinced he's doing it. He's like, what? Yeah, you will be here next month, Ted. You will be, Ted. You will be, Ted. It's the three musketeers um, now. I thought this, this is was a job interview. <laughs> Got the job, Ted. Well done. Yeah, yeah. We'll be here next month. So Pay. we'll leave it there. Pay <laughs> Pay Meg. Oh Jesus Christ! Sorry, that Jimmy. that haunt that image is going to haunt my dreams tonight. Ted eating a cream egg. Well, it won't be the first time I've done it, and the time I did it properly was on <laughs> commercial radio. And one of the reasons I'm not on commercial radio anyway. <laughs> I was going to say. <laughs> right, okay, let's head off. Thank you, guys. We will. I'll talk to you two later on. Now, no, I. Bye, guys. Cheers. Bye.